And welcome to the latest episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm Buck, your host. With me this week, I have a professor. Hello. How are you going this week, professor? I'm doing all right. I'm enjoying this rain. You sound a little bit unsure about whether or not you're right there. It was almost like a questioning tone. <laughs> there it is. Buck is starting his investigations. Well, of course he would. He's He knows psych. He's reading my mind. Get out of my <laughs> So tell us, what is it that's... <laughs> I just really want milk that tastes like real milk. Okay. The um, giggling Gertie lunatic here that was butting in there is um, the DJ. And how are you this week, DJ? Hey, guys. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Enjoying the rain. Anything exciting? Yeah, nothing special. Nothing special. You always have so much fun. Like, you just never do anything exciting. You never bring anything. Like... I can't wait for uni to start again. That's the one exciting part I'm looking forward to. Well, that's good to hear. Nice to, nice to see you trying to, what, eager to learn and improve yourself. My so, CJ, what are you studying? Doing my master's. I, that's about it. <laughs> Soon I'm going to be the only one here who doesn't have an actual title. <laughs> oh. I think he's jealous. Bucky, we need to sign, we need to sign him up to a course. That's all right. Give it a couple of years and I'll be doctor. <laughs> you guys will still be trying to catch up with me. But anyway, I suppose we should move along. Um, first up this week, DJ, you're going to be telling us about winners and losers. Yeah, so the Oscars happened this week. Um a couple of episodes ago, we were all predicting uh, that 1917 would um, win the Oscars for best movies and um, best actors and whatnot. Um, well, we I wasn't predicting that. I said it should. Yeah. But Hollywood being Hollywood, um, they confuse a ping pong brain. <laughs> so um, the results have came out and um, we've got some interesting results. So best picture goes to Parasite. Directed by Bong Joon-ho and Kwak Sine. Uh, best director goes to Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. And uh, Joaquin Phoenix gets the award for um, Joker. Best actor. In a leading role. Yeah. And uh, best actress goes to Renee Zellweger in the movie Judy as Judy Garland. Did she play the part properly? Did she do the psychotic breaks and craziness? And the method acting with the amphetamines and the cigarettes. <laughs> well, that was her excuse, but we shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> I think she did. Uh, I've, I've seen the trailers and, yeah, <clears throat> they really... They really put um, those on the movie as well. So, yeah, they did that too. Okay, hang on. Here we go. Visual effects, 1917. Mm -hmm. Cinematography, 1917. Sound mixing, 1917. Okay, it got up. They're not going to be useless. I get the feeling Buck really likes 1917. Yep. Well, he saw the movie. It's an awesome movie. Haven't you watched it yet? No. Um, best supporting actor Brad Pitt for his role as Cliff Booth in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, so best ins- a- the best exciting parts were um, the performances, like for example, Elton John doing his performance. Uh, what was his performance? Um, I'm gonna love me again, which he did that for the Oscar, uh, for the best song award. Uh, James Corden and Rebel Wilson appeared in Cats costumes. Oh. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, that's just 
It's over. The Oscars are over. <laughs> That's just disgusting. And that's nothing, nothing to do with James Lynn. Sorry, that's just purely Rebel Wilson. <laughs> just, I can't stand her as a huge star. Honestly, the cosplay was probably better quality than the uh, the actual movie. <laughs> the, the, I saw the costumes for it, and oh my god, I just went, what have you done, Corden? What have you done? <laughs> the quick as a flashy. <laughs> The DJ went out and got his own spandex. <laughs> I do not need that image. You can stop there, right there. <laughs> well, it's, just, it's just the way he's talking. No, like, no, I want to get to sleep tonight. <laughs> well, it's just the way you're talking. Like, oh, my God. You know, like, it was just spandex, spandex, spandex. <laughs> oh, my God, Bucky. The, that voice. <laughs> well, that's the way you I, oh. You know, I'm going to um to remind you of another animal movie. Didn't Jojo Rabbit win an award? Um, Jojo Rabbit won one award. I think um one award, yeah. Good. Push the trauma back. Push it back. <laughs> it, was, it was for adapted screenplay. Oh, so it was a. Uh, that means it was a stage play first, doesn't it? I think so. I don't know. I don't pay that much attention to the Oscars. Yeah. Although I did hear that apparently someone was being described as a cuttlefish for their dress on the red carpet. <laughs> Not because she, she likes hugging you with all the tentacles. <laughs> no, um, I did actually see a picture of it and um, it's very slim bodice. But then it's just like goes out at the hips, but flat out, but so not forward or back, and then goes straight down to the, the ankles, and it's just all these big frills on the side, so it looks like she's a cuttlefish. Okay. And it was in salmon pink or something. So, um, Toy Story Four won Best Animated Feature Film. That's pretty good. I like that movie actually. And uh, Joker won Best Score. So those are the big ones to anticipate. So was there anything wow. exciting? Um, a couple of other exciting things that happened. Um, Billie Eilish did her uh, performance uh, for the In, Memor- In Memoriam. And my God, that yesterday song, hauntingly beautiful. You're really to. not kidding. That is a, uh, that is a cuttlefish. <laughs> well, DJ, go and find the... No, I uh, just pulled it up. Oh. Um, the In, Mem- In Memoriam pic- um, list came out as well. It included Kobe Bryant, Kirk Douglas. Uh, they didn't include a couple of things in, in on the show, like uh, Luke Perry, Tim Conway, Sid Haig, Jan Michael Vincent, but they added it on the website in the end. Um, Sorry, what are, the, what are they adding these people? They didn't put them in the In Memoriam performance. Oh. But they did. But they added them in the website okay. for the notable deaths on 2019. Um, yeah, the Oscar performance speeches were the acceptance speeches was amazing. Um, Joaquin Phoenix was talking about um, vegans and how they should, uh, how everybody should embrace vegans. Okay, well, biggest. let's move away. From- I understand it's difficult trying a new diet, and maybe the vegans want to hug, but you shouldn't embrace them unless you're both comfortable with it. Like it t- and he also um, caught, he also said, um, we fear the idea of personal change because we think we need to sacrifice something to give something up. But human beings at our best are so creative and inventive, and we can create, develop, and implement systems of change that, ca- that are beneficial to all sentient beings and the environment. 
And uh, Brad Pitt was um, doing his, I think, the kids. I think Tarantino for the movie. Who are the kids? Uh, his kids? His or kids, just yeah. just random kids? Uh, it's his kids. That was random kids. <laughs> he, he went went down to the local um, Burger King or KFC. <laughs> and there was just kids there and he's just walking past and he just goes, thank you. <laughs> Honestly, with the way um, Angelina and Madonna are adopting kids, it could have been one that was he was supposed to be the father. <laughs> Man, you're tearing up to the celebrities now. What's going on? <laughs> well, but Madonna had that many kids that some of the African countries were starting to talk about in- instituting a catch and release program with her, where whenever she catches hold of a kid, she's got to actually let it go. She's not allowed to because she's just depopulating the countries. Hmm. So there, and Angelina Jolie was adopted quite a few there. It was like it was like a, it was a competition. Who can have the most adopted third world countries in their bag? <laughs> like, you remember how um, uh, was it Paris Hilton? I think it was used to carry around a chihuahua in a oh, handbag. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, saw, I remember seeing a cartoon once, and it had um, Angelina Jolie and Madonna, and they had kids from third world countries with their heads <laughs> popping out at the top of a handbag. <laughs> but um, Eminem also did a did an. Entrance as well for um, in the Oscars um, with his with his trademark song "Lose Yourself." And um, yeah, the Oscars were pretty. Yeah, was okay, but yeah, there was "Parasite" was the biggest winner in the entire in, in the entire night. "Parasite." Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm I'm finding this. I'm... <laughs> yeah, yeah. On that um, disappointing note, we'll move on further. <laughs> I have news of solar top blasting off. But so straight away, we're going to the outer space. So already better. Um, so the Solar Orbiter, which is a combined project for Europe and NASA's Solar Orbiter rocket system, um, took off and headed into space on Sunday night on an unprecedented mission to capture the first pictures of the sun. It's particularly elusive poles. When you're that hot, it's kind of hard to keep still, isn't it? You got to squiggle around. But um, the $1.5 million spacecraft um, has already started capturing images and sending them back. So while it won't um, venture close enough to penetrate the sun's corona or crown-like atmosphere, it, which is um, the Parker probe is doing, it will get into unique out-of-plane orbit that will take it over both poles, which have never been photographed before. So if you go to the link, we've already got some amazing brilliant images coming through article and nasa declaring success one and a half hours after it was in space and started taking pictures it does have nearly a thousand scientists and engineers from across europe and the u.s that are all gathered together and enjoying the success what do you guys reckon you're you're enjoying this so far yeah i want to know what's at the poles like is that where the simulation reset switch is Never know. Um, I'm loving the um, wide-angle lens and long exposure shot that they have for the launch for the Atlas V rocket that orbiter into space. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. If you scroll down the um, article, it shows it as an arc goes taking off from the ground and going up and to the right. Oh, that's a very nice photo. Um, yeah, to protect the sen- sensitive instruments from the sun's, well, they say blistering in the article, but I think it might be a beyond a, a blister, isn't you? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I think it, it, it's 
kind of an understatement. This must have been written by an Englishman to protect a listerine. Um, it's has a special heat shield which is out of back. It's like burned charcoal, similar to what was used in prehistoric cave packings. It is 10 foot by 8 or for those who are intelligent enough to be able to cope with it, metric is 3 metres by 2.4 metres and 38 centimetres thick with titanium foil with gaps in between to shed the heat. So it's got a heat sink. And it can stand temperatures up to nearly 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit or for those less challenged, 530 degrees Celsius. Embedded in the heat shield are five peepholes. It's sneaking a peek. <laughs> so, yeah, um, peepholes will only be staying open just long enough for the science instruments to take quick measurements and images with X-ray, ultraviolet, visible, and other wavelengths. So they're going to be gathering a ton of data mm. and some ridiculous pictures. Dare I say it, the hottest pictures of the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how they get how they go to avoid the glare when taking these pictures. Well, if they ask politely, you're not going to be glared at, are you? <laughs> I didn't mean that glare. Well, that'd be the reason why they got the peepholes, because um, Eskimos used to wear special masks over their eyes where they had a slit cut through with a little bit of a ridge coming out the outer edge, and that would act similar to sunglasses. So I'm sure they have things like that, like 38 centimetres thick is kind of help reduce some of your hope. I like the I, I like this concept um, as I'm reading this article it's saying that closer to home the findings will help scientists predict um, space weather which will, which can disrupt communications which is true like you know we may never know when a solar flare will hit Earth and no 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 we do know but there are some that are unpredictable and some random fluctuations because the guys down in um, Antarctica have schedules for when the solar flares are coming through so that they know when it's going to hit, disrupt radio communication. You've got to remember, they can see the solar flare days before it actually impacts on Earth because the light travel is travelling faster, the actual um, energy from memory. But, yeah, they, they know when it's happening. But anyway, um, moving on, Professor. Hello, Professor. Hi. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, just making sure you hadn't gone to sleep. I wish I could. I've been watching the show Mythic Quest, Raven's Banquet, which is a comedy from who did It's Always Sunny in Pennsylvania about a game development studio. Right. It's actually a, a partnership done with uh, Ubisoft. So Tell I've watched through... Sorry? Tell us more. Well, I've watched through the whole series by now, and it's tamer than the few episodes of uh, It's Always Sunny that I've seen, but it has a, a lot of strong language still, hmm? but... I think it um it does a good job of having the sort of dysfunctional um like it's the most dysfunctional game studio I've ever seen. Actually, no, there's a couple I could name, but uh, I think it it's got a lot of room to grow. It's um it's okay so far, but the best episode is actually one that basically doesn't feature the main cast at all, and it's a a single episode um, covering the history of a, an indie studio from the '90s that made it big. So. I think if they can have more episodes of the quality of that one episode, it would um, the show would be incredible. But as it is, it's just kind of good. It's nothing amazing. Okay. Come like that show, Greatest American Hero. I don't think I've seen that one. It was uh, good, but the, it wasn't fantastic. But it was it was it was fun to watch. 
this that was uh, that that show was home to that song. Believe it or not, I'm walking away. Uh, no, no, it's not. Uh, I'm, walking I'm walking on air. Ah, right. All right. Um, yeah, that, that was about um, aliens giving a suit that gave special powers to a guy who was a school teacher and um, yeah the aliens gave it to him because they wanted him to have it rather than who was from CIA or FBI who was apparently the one that was supposed to be getting to him some of the names on this um, show are um, they're, I, I do remember those names like Daniel uh, Danny Putty for example he's one of the guys from the show um, Community he was always partnered with um, Donald Glover that's the one. And um, who's the other one? Oh, yeah, Imani Hakim. Uh, she was Chris Rock's sister in Everybody Hates Chris. Are these from Mythic Quest, or are you talking about the other one now? Uh, Mythic-, Mythic Quest. Okay. Yeah, yeah I don't recognize actors, really. Ah, fair enough. Um, most of the time. They, they're the people to the talking. Uh, fuck. Ah. Why do you? <laughs> what the, what you the, said oh, you I don't recognize them, so I was just I, trying to help you understand. <laughs> Oh, God. You're the reason why I drink. <laughs> Delicious water. I, I have two liters of water with me. Oh, um, Professor, there is one name in this um, Mythic Quest cast that you might you might know. Yes. Ashley Birch. She was um, yes. also... Yeah. The, um, that was a very quick yes. One of the... Well, I was thinking that was who he meant as soon as he brought it up. But it's um, Ashley Birch is the voice of Tiny Tina from Borderlands. Okay. And she had a uh, web series called Hey Ash, What You Playing? Which um, was little skits based on different games. Yeah, so Ashley Birch plays a, um, a game tester who feels like she isn't appreciated by the company. Which from what I've heard, a lot of game testers feel overworked, but... It just kind of comes with the uh, the territory of the testing job because you have to do things over and over and over again. It's kind of, kind of like all the computer and tech people always seem to be overlooked and underappreciated. We should have a, an international tech support. <laughs> <laughs> Where you buy a donut or a muffin or something, tech support. I mean, most of us have enough trouble with our weight as it is. Sure. <laughs> Can you imagine um, the um, the march for tech support <laughs> with the with, with the sign saying, "Have you put it in and in and out again?" What you know? Just have uh, imagine no, having a tech support march with the banner. Have you put? Have you tried putting it in and out again? What we say is, have you tried turning it off and on again? Yeah, that's fine. But uh, as anyway, was... on that that that's scary. Yeah. Um, before the DJ says anything else, that's going to be disconcerting. Um, I will just point out if uh, you're going to watch any episode of this show, watch episode five, "A Dark Quiet Death," which is the uh, the one about the '90s studio. Okay. Okay, I, w- I was going to say this is an interesting yeah. concept for a show. Yeah, so- it's it's an interesting concept. You don't see a lot of uh, media targeted at, well, from the viewpoint of the game developers. And if you do, it's uh, like this is probably the most realistic game development show I've seen. The uh, Most of the time, it's like computer hacking. Real-life game development's pretty uninteresting to watch. So they spice it up with sound effects and fancy uh, typing and stuff. But Yeah, the closest thing I can think of was that um, one show about so- a couple of guys um, doing a social media company. Don't, uh, uh, give me a second. 
You're not talking about the movie that was made about um, Facebook. Yeah. Um, not the social network. No, there was another TV. There was another show off the top of my head, but yeah. The IT crowd. Uh, no, was, this was a pretty recent TV show, but yeah, I. It, it, it will come to me eventually. It will come to me. Well, on that disillusioning note, let's move on. Um, Professor, what game are you playing? I've been playing Nyheim, which is a digital board game based around surviving the rat plague in, I think, a Norwegian town. Yeah, so you um, have a party of explorers who travel around the city scavenging and fighting rats and building up the HQ. Okay. But the um, the RNG can be pretty brutal. I've seen some people saying it's uh, an unfair RNG. It's hard to say whether it is or not yet. I haven't got enough time in and obviously haven't seen the uh, loot tables. For the general public, what does RNG Random number generator. So uh, for each location, when you perform a search action or a... Uh, even when you just roll the dice, you um, your computer picks a random number and shows you the results based on that. Okay. So this is a sort of combo deck building and um, dice rolling game. The deck building aspect is your party. You can have a number of characters with items and skills attached to them. And then when you go to a location, you have activities that you perform by rolling dice and matching up symbols on the dice to the requirements of the card. Okay. Yes, I've played uh, five times so far and only won once. So it's a pretty it's a pretty stressful game, especially once you um, start getting to the late mid game because you start seeing endless disasters piling up on you. And if you have five disasters that you don't mitigate, the uh, the game ends. If your party dies, the game ends. I think there's uh, another couple of death conditions. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, there's a roughly equal number of win conditions. You can survive a whole year, uh, upgrade your HQ enough, or complete the main quest line. Okay. And the um, you upgrade your HQ by returning loot to it and completing side quests. And mm-hmm. each um, each upgrade gives you a, a bonus. So you can always send back to your HQ to pick up food or from your uh, your gardens or collect a um, new party member. Okay. How many nerdy beans? Uh, three and a half, I think. I'm quite liking this one. And DJ, what have you been? Um, I've been playing Ironsight again. I've been trying to go through the uh, multiplayer aspect and yeah, I'm not having any fun with it lately. Have you actually managed to get the gun the Iron Sights? Yes. Yes, I did. Okay. Just making sure. When we watched it last time, it was just so hard to find a gun with iron sights. So why why is it not as much fun? Um, it's Are the other king on you. Oh, Bucky! I know you would love to. You would love to see that with someone picks on me. No, no, it's not no, that. No, it's just us. No, it's not that. Um, it's more of the every time we get a tw- we get twelve players. 
Well, as soon as the match starts, they, they say match abandoned. Oh, sounds like some pretty significant netcode issues. Yeah. That's uh, not promising. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to keep my score that um, last week, which was two. You're not yeah, going to knock it down for being completely broken? Uh, for Fallout 76. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Fallout, the difference between um, Ironsight and Fallout 76 is Ironsight actually works. <laughs> Fallout 76, it just... I mean, Fallout 76, you can actually see other players when they exist. <laughs> and actually not go um, and not have the and have the armor attached to them. I mean, it's not kicking you back to menu when you try to start the game, which is already a benefit. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Fair. Yeah, I'm gonna give mine um one, one um two and two out of five for mine. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, where have you been playing, Buck? I've been playing Scrabble. Oh, oh, joy. It has been fun. Are you playing a PC form of Scrabble or are you playing the... Um... No, I'm playing it online. Okay. Um, it, it's actually through Windows. You, um, and you get to play against other, other people. And, yeah, I got to um, start improving my score. I used to play it on, a, on an old Facebook account. And, um, yeah, my um, score on that was quite... So I think I, played, I think I played you on here once, didn't I, DJ? Yep, you did. Anyway, um, so it's, it's a lot of fun. It's just Scrabble, but it's good exercise for the brain. What is the core conflict of Scrabble? <laughs> the ability to develop it within the lexicon with a random set of letters and generate the highest possible score. Which, and if you, and you have special bonuses where if you get seven, all seven letters out in one go, you get a bonus score. And how does this relate to Campbell's monomyth? Oh my god, we go do this line of questioning. Oh Whoa. man. <laughs> Does does the monomyth actually really fall into being applicable in this situation, or is it well, more as an example of duality? Well, there's the call to action. Your family saying, "Hey, play Scrabble with us." There's the reluctance. You say, "No, nah, I don't feel like playing Scrabble." There's the mentor who is your annoying sibling who is really good. At I was always better at this than my other so. There is the abyss, which is the crushing pain of realizing you're locked in playing Scrabble. Hey, 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 don't you go picking on Scrabble or you and me will have it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, here's my question for you, Bucky. Um, where, okay, does, where does this fit in Maslow's hierarchy of needs when playing a game of Scrabble? Um, well, if we're going to look at it in that way, it's probably into pretty much the summit of self-actualization. Really? I thought it would be more in the esteemed, esteem and love and belong, belonging area. No, because this is more of just that self-actualization of, I know lots of words and I know how to spell them, so I score points. Self-esteem is going to uni. Yeah, but isn't winning a game of Scrabble part of the self-esteem, though? Depends on your opponent. I mean, like, I've had some opponents that aren't exactly the best. And what motivates you? In what way? In terms of... Um, you realise we are talking about a game. Yeah, we are. <laughs> no, he wants to know what motivates you. He wants to know what gives your life meaning. <laughs> when, gave it, when playing a game of Scrabble. <laughs> what makes you get out of bed in the morning? <laughs> 
the need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> uh, and by the way, um, fellas, the show I was thinking about, it was a Silicon Valley. Ah, so that's not about a social network. That's about a startup who invents a new form of uh, compression. Mm-hmm. The social network was represented by Huli, which is a bit of a parody of Google trying to buy up all of the startups. Yeah. You reckon the concept is the same with the Mythic Quest show? Um, show? Um, as in it tries to be a more accurate comedy about the tech world? Yeah. Yeah. Is it actually a comedy because it is American? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, we, we're trying to are we trying to psychoanalyze each other now? Just go like ask everyone's asking each other questions. Well, in um, the light of wanting to understand the American psyche, since you seem to be embodying that persona, can you answer that question for us? What was the question again? Exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm just commenting on your using ask. Okay. Next, next thing you know, we'll be we'll be doing a podcast. <laughs> so, um, Bucky, how much? How would you rate the um, Scrabble game? Um, I'll give it four and a half out of five. Okay, it's just classic Scrabble, and it's really well done. The only problem is playing it online. You're using online dictionaries. Mm. Hacks. Oh, there's always the trainers and bot programs. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, one of one of the best. Um, scorers you can get is QI. It is actually a word that's allowable in Scrabble. And if you get yourself into a position where you can have it land on a triple word score next to two eyes, or you put down QI and links onto another eye, that's just massive score. You'll get the triple, you'll get like 42 something. So, yeah. But anyway, moving along, or do you want to go back and talk about another topic we've already spoken about? Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm all good. Okay, then. So, moving on to shout-outs, on the 5th of February, we have Global Heat was smashed again. Now, was it smashed or just broken? Heat came in here with a sledgehammer. <laughs> and, that did, and that was ineffective. And he hit everything, he hit hurt with everything but the kitchen sink. Okay, because I'm just looking on here and it's saying a band of countries stretching from Norway to Russia. Temperatures were an unprecedented six degrees above the same 30-year benchmark. And remember, 30 years was 1990. Don't you feel old now? What's that, Sonny? I can't hear you. Okay, boomer. It's cure. <laughs> and if you're old enough to know what that alludes to, well... Um, yeah, so moving on, um, 9th of February, 2020, Paula Kelly passed away. Paula Kelly was the actress, singer, and dancer who starred in the film version of Sweet Charity and earned an, earned an Emmy nomination for her turn on night. Um, she appeared in movies such as The Andromeda Strain, Silent Green, among others. Uh, she died at the age of 77 in Whittier, California, on the 10th of February, 2020. Apple once again proved it sucks. And it was fined for it. Unfortunately, it was only fined 0.002% of its worth, but it was um, France's Directorate General of Competition, Consumer and Repression of Fraud. I'd love to see the French say that after they've had a few glasses of wine. <laughs> imagine trying to say, um, imagine asking them to. Oh, 
sorry. The lack of transparency displayed by Apple in the past breached its guidelines. The company was fined 25 million euro. Apple also committed the crime of deceptive commercial practice by omission. So, yeah. Um, the consumer electronics giant is worth almost two trillion dollars. Are they still? Are they truly worth that much? Like they've been taking some pretty bad hits over the last few years. So I wonder whether they are actually worth two trillion, or are they just telling us that the same as the tunnels of phones? Well, they're publicly traded, aren't they? So I think that uh, means their, that phones are, their phones are publicly traded as well. They posted a three percent growth profits while selling less phones. They just charge more for Yes, the um, other thing is they're also selling a lot more accessories now, like AirPods. That's another terrible year. Okay, so officially, here we go, Apple's value has fallen by more than $220 over the past few weeks. Um, Apple passed its trillion-dollar mark on August 2nd when it hit shares of $207. It is now worth something. Trying to get there. Is it really worth something? Because they tried to buy Disney and Disney laughed. Its value, so on t- at, at 2018, its value has slumped to $839 billion. Yeah, but well, two years later, what is it worth? I think it's still $829 billion, but... There you go, folks. On that disappointing note, Apple still sucks. Um, okay, well, the share price is $327 a share. Um, apparently, it's worth, um, at the 6th of January, it worth $1.3 trillion. There you go. Nowhere near $2 trillion. We'll have to slap those show notes. <laughs> um, so, yes, Apple sucks. They lie. They don't tell you how badly they suck, and they're getting fined, which is a startling revelation. Not... Uh, moving along to remembrances. Into trouble by being sued by Apple, saying that they're horrible. Um, remembrances on the 10th of February 1891, Sofia Vas- Vasilyevna as a Russian mathematician who made noteworthy contributions to analysis, parcel differentiation equations, and mechanics. She was also a pioneer for women in mathematics around the world and the first woman to obtain a doctorate in modern sense in mathematics, the first appointed to a professorship in Europe and one of the first women to work for scientific for a scientific journal as an editor. Uh, according to hist- historian of science Anne Hibner-Koblitz, Kovoslanskia was the greatest known woman scientist of the 20th century. There are several alternative transliterations of her name, probably easier and sound than what I'll try to pronounce. She herself used Sofia Kowalewska, Levski, or occasionally Kowalewski, which is exactly the same, just slightly different spell, um, in her academic um, publications. She died from influenza, complicated by pneumonia, at the age of 41 in Stockholm. So, a remarkable young lady with a remarkable name. On the 10th of February, 2008, Roy Richard Schneider, American actor, amateur boxer. Uh, Schneider gained fame and supported roles in several iconic films from the 1970s through to the 80s playing NYPD detective Buddy Cloudy Russo in The French Connection in 1971. Uh, unfortunately, he died from multiple myeloma at the age of 75 in Little Rock, Arkansas. 
on the 10th of February, 2018, Carmen and Timo Argencio, um, an American actor who has been over 50 movies and around 100 televisions or episodes, best known as the recurring character Jacob Carter Selmak in the television series SG-1. Uh, he died at the age of 70 in Los Angeles, California. Moving on to famous birthdays. On the 10th of February, 1824, Samuel English politician, social former, now best remembered for having devised the Plimsoll line, a line of a ship's hull indicating the maximum safe draft and therefore minimum free vessel various operating conditions. He was in Bristol on the 10th of February, 1906. Lon Chaney Jr. was born in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma Territory. Um, Creighton Tull Chaney, American actor known playing Larry Talbot, the film man in 1941. His various crossovers um, counts Alucard Dracula spelt backwards in Son of Dracula. So he was Dracula's backwards son. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, so though in the original Dracula, he had three wives but no children. And they weren't even known as wives of Dracula until a uh, an adaptation years later. Yes. I can't even remember what they refer to him as in... Um... No, I can't either, and I only read it like... A month ago. It's a shame. Um, on the 10th of February, 1929, Jerry Goldsmith, American composer and conductor, most known for his work in film and television, was born in Los Angeles, California. Uh, he's the man who helped score and conduct music such albums and um, sound schools for movies such as Logan's Run, Planet of the Apes, The Omen, Alien, Poltergeist. Gremlins, Rudy, L.A. Confidential, Mulan, The Mummy, three Rambo movies, which we won't hold against him, and Explorers. Um, yeah. Now, taking a look at that, I do believe we need to slap the show notes editor again. Because he forgot to put, um, he was also in Spielberg's Lost World Jurassic Park. No, for putting it, for getting to put a comma between Alien and Poltergeist. Yes. He's gone very I think he's scared. Are you awake? <laughs> Why are we at Scrabble? <laughs> Um, moving on to events of interest. On the 10th of February, 1940, Puss Gets the The first Tom and Jerry cartoon was released. It was directed by William Hanna, Joseph Barbera, and Rudolf Ising, and produced by Rudolf Ising and Fred Quimby. I was the practice of MGM shorts at the time. Only Rudolf Ising is credited. The short Puss Gets featured a cat named Jasper and an unnamed mouse named Jinx in pre-production. So they weren't even Tom and Jerry yet. No. So I'm actually wondering, was it actually Tom and Jerry or Cousins? I think we need to get confirmation. slipped through from a parallel universe. We're in the Tom and Jerry universe. It's like the Berenstain Bears. Okay. Um, On the 10th of February, 1957, a cinematic masterpiece of monumental oceans made its way and clawed its way into theatres. I am talking of Attack of the Crab Monsters. So, yes, apparently Attack of the Crab Monsters made audiences afraid to go back into the water. It featured Richard Garland and Pamela Duncan. The plot was scientists become trapped on a shrinking island with intelligent, murderous, giant crabs. So I don't know how the island is shrinking. Is it the tide is coming or is it a sinking island? Definitely one of those creature feature movies worth watching. It's a uh, global warming washing away the island, like two for me. <laughs> but this was in 1957. They hadn't heard of global. Well, he stumped me there. Yeah. Maybe it was Atlantis. 
Oh, wait, wasn't that Maybe. from Journey of the Center of the Earth, though? That they found Atlantis or something like that? Did I remember? No, I don't think so. Maybe they're on the back of a giant turtle. Isn't that the planet Earth in the Flat Earth Theory? It's this world. This one. Which also could possibly be Flat Earth Theory. I thought one of the um, religions used to talk about the earth sitting on the back of a turtle. Uh, I think that was Hinduism. Anyway, moving along, but I, I found someone on religious grounds. I don't want to do that because that's the thing to do. Um, on the 10th of February, 1972, Ziggy Stardust makes his earthly debut. The concert at London's Toby Jug Pub, a relatively minor named rocker. Minor rocker named, yeah, you won't know this guy. David Bowie became the spaceman Ziggy Stardust. I'm going to be huge, Bowie told Melody Maker less than three weeks earlier and still six months prior to the release of the album, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Yeah, maybe he could have been huge, except for that time in the 70s where he basically starved to death. He was quite thin then. Yeah, but he's still listed as one of the most all-time influential um, music mu- musical artists. And he was also a pretty good actor. Like, he was in um, The Labyrinth. Well, that was David Bowie, wasn't it? Or was that... Um, yeah. yeah, it was, no, yeah. That's Bowie. And he yeah. played Nikola Tesla in The Prestige. He was being considered for a villain role in Doctor Who. He would have done that so well. Yeah. He's one of those people that he's just, he, he's, he's so much fun and so much whatever he does. And this is the, uh, the like, classic Doctor Who, so he would have been able to get just the right amount of camp. Oh, yes. Um, yes. Thank you, thank you, Bowie, for bringing us Ziggy. Um, on the 10th of February, 1996, world chess champion Gary Kasparov loses a game to a, um, after three hours, world chess champion Gary Kasparov lost the first game of a six-game match against Blue, an IBM computer capable of value of 200 million per second. Man was old victorious over machine, however, as Casper bested deep in the match with three wins, two ties, and took home the 400th prize. An estimated six million people worldwide followed the action on, on the internet, and in February 1996, the contest was significant in that it represented the first time a human and computer had duked it out in a regulation six-game match, which each player had two hours to make moves. Two hours to finish the next 20 moves and 60 minutes to wrap up the game. That's a lot of a time, one game of chess. Yes, and they're, they're on such a level that they need every second of that time because they think out so many paths. Like you got to think, like you got you to like wonder, like if Deep was evaluating 200 million moves per second as a computer, what was Casper that he beat it? That's a good question. I hope he donates his brain to science like uh, Einstein and they do the slice through so we can see the, the extent of his uh, pathways. He's got he's to have a ridiculously unsexy brain. Yeah, so it would be interesting um, to know what the, uh, the difference is in the structure of a chess master's brain. So do we have any... Sh- Extra special shout-outs this week, guys, that we've missed. Um, we've got a new podcast from PS uh, from the Podfather, yes. We, we did mention that the other week, but it's now, it is live, I believe. Yes. If you and want the- to listen to poetry, read to you, seduct by them, and other people, it is available on the TNC oh. website. And you're trying to get yourself in there, aren't you, Buck? Oh, no, I mean, I haven't done the recording yet, but yeah. 
and it's also available on Spotify as well. And wherever um, podcasts are available. Where can they find us, DJ? Um, they can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, that's our Canon website. And uh, iTunes. All the all, all the um, details will be on our show notes. Awesome. Um, anything else to add there, Professor? No, I think DJ's done a good job of covering that. Excellent. Well, in that case, let's wrap up the show. It's good night from me and a good night from them. Remember to look out for each other, stay safe, and keep hydrated. Root. See you guys. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.